Let's go to Ephesians this evening in chapter 5. If you've got your outline that's the insert in the bulletin, looking at marital relationships and a Christian marriage as a partner, some priorities we've been looking at of the marriage, the wife's loyalty shown in submission, the husband's love shown in sacrifice, and we've seen the exhortation in verse 25, and last week the example, and this week the expectations, the expectations that are put upon those responsible within the marriage relationship. And we read this evening at verse 28, you know the context of it. Well, 27 was what we finished with last week, that he might present it, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, that's inside and outside, <laughs> or any such thing that should be holy and without blemish, and that's what the Lord is doing. And this is all tied with the explanation of the marriage relationship. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of the church. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these pertinent verses for a day in which uh, the, the love is not love, it's lust in a lot of situations. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stick to the truth and have that sacrificial love one for another, for you and for our spouses. Lord, we pray that it might be so for our children too. Lord, bless the word now. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so the expectation, a couple of points under that that are not in the outline there. That's 1A to C, if you follow that outline, following that outline. The expectation, the self-motive. Uh, Paul's explanation moved from the bride, the wife, to the body, the church. And from the church or the body, back to the bride, in this that he's presenting with us to us here in verses 22 to the verse 30, 33. And um, <clears throat> he's moving back. His thoughts went from man and his wife, a man and his wife, to Christ and his church, from the church as a bride to the church as a body. And so Paul's doctrine of marriage is built upon a basis that is found way back in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. I should know it. Therefore, shall a man leave his wife and, I mean, leave his father. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should re I'll, re I'll read this. <laughs> That's not what we teach. <laughs> leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. One flesh. And who quoted that when asked a question about marriage? Jesus. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> In the beginning, he went back to the beginning, back to the foundation. And we need to go back to these things, and that gives, that really sums it all up, doesn't it? And this is where the Lord went back. You know, Moses gave us a bill of divorcement. What about you? <laughs> and he said, no, listen to what God set it up and established it as. And they shall be one 
flesh, and that's one flesh, and that's the rest of Scripture can be added to that. And so it began in the Garden of Eden, as Adam saw the beast that he'd named, all the different animals, and there's male and female, and what about me? <laughs> well, you know, I have not a mate. And the Lord took the rib, as we know, and formed Eve. Adam went to sleep, put him to sleep, and rib taken from his side. And God built a, a body and a bride for Adam. And so the body and bride are two distinct concepts, yet they're bound together, even as we see in the portion here tonight. They shall be one flesh. And so in marriage, two people become one physically, psychologically, spiritually. They become one for Christians when we say spiritually. And violations of the sacred marital relationship with casual liaisons bring God's strongest condemnation. In fact, I was talking to Brother Buddy the other day. He said, now where you've been up there, I'll send you emails and ask you questions. He said that to all the pastors. <laughs> and uh, he's talking, he, he preached actually on adultery the day we were there on the Sunday morning, the, the second Sunday morning, <clears throat> and asking questions. And we just shared a few things. And I said, you know, as you go to the list of the sins of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, is it, what's the top of the list? And the sins of the flesh, there are all those Sexual sins that are committed by those that are married and those that are unmarried. And um, <clears throat> I've noticed that often when a marriage breaks down, it's because of something that has happened by one of the individuals. They've been unfaithful to their spouse, most times the husband, and the wife is not pleased. And it might be some years before... The marriage breaks down. But if they, the wife, find out that that's... Well, even if they don't, they might be out of sense. <laughs> Perceive that something's going on. And you've had... You, once that has happened, it takes a very forgiving wife to forgive. And a lot of the, the cases we've had to deal with, eventually it comes out. There was unfaithfulness earlier. And then you say, now I see and understand why there's so much hurt and why there was so much anger and why that, you know, they didn't want to go near their spouse after that had happened. You know, be faithful. You know, we've got three, three, there's three young people getting married. We mentioned it last week, in the next five months. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for our own children because there's a lot more involved in marriage. You know, we, before you get married and you know the infatuation and everything seems to be so right but then as the situations come situations arise there where there's challenges and and how are we going to respond to those and so we need to pray for our young people and pray for those that are getting married that they have wisdom to see that there is a a real deep relationship it's it's bound with christ and the church if you can divorce from the Lord Jesus Christ, then that breaks the relationship that we have with our spouses. But the Lord says, no, we are eternally secure. And that's why it's so important for us to build solid families 
right from the start. And how sad it is for, you know, I, I go through the list, I go through the book sometimes, and I've passed McConnell do this, of people that have been married. And your heart is saddened because there are those that have parted and separated. I don't know if it was the case, but it is really sad. Because it's, it's not only just the husband and the wife, it's usually the children that are involved in that situation and the heartache and the hurt and how that affects them for a long term, long time. And so this is an important relationship. This is the Lord sort of putting it here through Paul to show how important this does. Um, <clears throat> what duty does a husband owe his wife? According to these verses in verse 28, so ought men to love their, love their wives even as <laughs> they love themselves. And this is why I've... We call it the self-motive. The expectation is that we love our wife as we love ourselves. So there's a self-motive, we could say, for the sake of an outline. Most well-adjusted people love themselves. You don't have to teach them to love themselves. What will a child do that shows that they love themselves? Children can should about answer this. Yes? Me first. Me first, okay. <laughs> yep. Any other children's answers? Yes? My toy. Say? My toy. My toy. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> and I've got all the toys and you're allowed to play with any of them. <laughs> Me first, you know. A love of self. See, they, they know what it is talking about. Biggest slice of cake. Biggest bit of ice cream. You know, you get one to dish it out and then the one that didn't dish it out, he makes the choice or she makes the choice of who gets what dessert first. <laughs> and that sort of evens it up. They make sure it's very even then. But the love of self, it can be a very bad thing, can't it? The Bible speaks much about this love of self. <laughs> um, <clears throat> look not, Philippians 2, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Not me first, them first. Um, when a man thinks himself to be something and he is nothing, he deceiveth himself and the truth is not in him. Um, <clears throat> what hast thou that thou, that thou didst not receive? Every atom of our body is made by God. Even our personalities, everything, are given as a gift of God to us. And so we uh, don't have to be taught to love self. But when this self expresses itself in selfishness, it's not what God wants. Um, <clears throat> the believer's motivation goes far beyond mere selfishness. It's, ba it's based on the essence of what God planned in marriage, as we see here, in marriage, two persons become one person. After God married Adam and Eve, let's go back to Genesis chapter 5 and see if you can pick something up in this verse, in verse 2. Genesis 5, verse 2. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. They. Say? They. They. Yeah, keep, yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, male and female 
Yeah. <laughs> the one name, Adam. Isn't that interesting? You know, <laughs> that's what the wife usually takes the man, the the husband's name. And I always use this one. Like Jill became a non-Christian when I married her. She became a jackal. I mean, a jackal. <laughs> and so. It's just a few people have the name Christian. But <clears throat> that aside, <laughs> when I hear of, I, I don't know, it just re- grates me somewhat, when I hear of women that keep their name and add that in, and often it's because they're the father or mother or someone's rich or, 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 or a noted person, it concerns me. Are they thinking, oh, well, I can get out of this and I'll go back to my old maiden name or, or what? I think they should be willing. It's a biblical thing back in chapter six, 5 and verse 2. There in Genesis, it's, it's written down there. A man is to love his wife in tender, caring, uh, caring way. Just as he loves his own what? Body, according to the scripture here. A man instinctively provides for the comforts of his body. If you've got a toothache, men, what do you do? Take a painkiller or get it pulled out or get it fixed. Um, if you've got a pain of some sort, you go see the doctor if you're manly enough to do that. <laughs> um, you know, any, anything that hurts, if you're, if you're hungry, you know, everything seems to go out the window. I'm just, give me a feed. We, we all become, is it Esau? <laughs> we all become Esau. Just give me the potties or I'll die. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we just know instinctively that this is a need that needs to be met and he provi- we provide for our own body we protect it from harm we heed the signals of the body if something's going wrong we we know and people are like that not just men um, <clears throat> life is too uncomfortable when we ignore the bodily demands so we usually waste little time in responding to them for better <laughs> For better, for worse, we are married to our body. Until death us do... That's true, isn't it? We're in this body until death us do part. I mean, this is symbolism as you come into this, but um, our bodies can make our life bliss or be tormenting. And we cannot ignore our bodies. But self-indulgence can be as harmful as neglecting our body. In between stoic harshness, that is in Colossians 2.23, where it says neglecting the body, like the, um, the Catholics do in giving their, doing their thing. What are they, what was that? Fasting. Far, they do more than that, don't they? Yeah, they do a lot of things, a stoic harshness, and crawl up the steps and hurt themselves and whip themselves where you get to the other side of it, the Cretans, which are lazy gluttons and slow bellies. Somewhere in the middle is the happy medium, the sane and sensible thing to do to nourish our bodies and cherish them. And so just as man must take or does take care of his body, a husband must see to his wife's comfort in all areas of life. Protect her from harm, desire her well-being, pay close attention to the signals that she sends. And uh, <clears throat> so many don't do that. So many want to live a life like they were when they were single. 
and uh, the wife can make it very hard. And look at all the marriages that are disasters because that the husband doesn't meet the needs of the wife, just as Christ meets our needs. This relationship is, is, is really important to, to note. And this is one that I don't know that we brought up much when we dealt with the divorce and remarriage issue on a Sunday night. Well, was it Sunday, Sunday night, I think it was, in, from Matthew, Gospel, chapter 19. And this one is important. Um, <clears throat> you know, when you hear of some stories of what wives do to their husbands when they get out of sorts with them and, um, and what husbands do to wives... You, you, you know, once it's reached that point, it's probably no turning back because they do things that they'll forever regret and wish they didn't do after they've done them, often on the spur of the moment. Say things, do things. I can't say things here because it's pretty personal with people that are here and might be listening in to the, to the thing, but things that, things that happen, you wouldn't believe. It seems... Uh, the pastor sometimes gets to hear about those, so don't go looking for them. Uh, <clears throat> Husbands need to help the wife develop a potential, nourish her, cherish her, sensible things to do. If we live in peace and comfort and keep harmony in the home and, and keep the, you know, the relationship right, keep the children on track, if, if mum and dad are fighting, what do you think the children are going to do? They'll learn what you do. If there's arguments all the time and things like that, there's a, there needs to be the adjustment. What did we just look at in verse 27? Sanctification. That comes just before this description here. Sanctified Christian living mums and dads before your children, that they might see that this Christian, Christianity works. It makes a difference in your life. Uh, <clears throat> There is a doctrine that's developed around this verse. So ought to men love their wives even as their own bodies? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. What is the, what is the false doctrine that's developed around the end of that verse? And it's, it's prevalent today. Self-love doctrine. Not self-denial, self-love. They say, look, you're supposed to love yourself. No, that, we've just been through it. That happens automatically. You know, if you're hurt, and you'll, you'll fix it. If you're hungry, you'll, you'll feed yourself. But um, that, th this is not what he's teaching here. <laughs> he's teaching that a husband will love his wife as himself because they are one. <laughs> Back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Um, <clears throat> the Bible teaches us to deny ourselves, doesn't it? To crucify the flesh and the affections and the lust thereof. Matthew 10, 37. Matthew 16, 24. So that's the self-motive in working in a, a marriage. And the supreme motive comes in verse, well, it's in verse 28 but, and verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth, even as the Lord the church. And so what does the Lord view the church as? His body, his bride. He loves it. He nourishes it. He cherishes it. He builds it up. He adds to it. The Lord does everything. The Lord Jesus Christ is concentrating and centering his thoughts on every one of us. He knows our thoughts. He knows us afar off. 
He knows us wherever we are. He, he's concerned about his children, his, his bride, is he not? It's precious to him. Nothing on earth or heaven compares to it. He's got his focus on that. It's like a, 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 a man and a, a woman, a young man and a woman about to be married. They are focused on each other and they don't seem to be able to focus on a lot of other things. I warn you, try to focus on some other things too. There are other people in the world. You know, if you lose all your friends just before you get married, you're not going to have them after you get married either. There's a, you know, you, you can just be concentrating on it and thinking this is all, everything. Get a balance in life. <laughs> Jesus Christ died to redeem the church. Husbands, are you willing to die for your wife? He watches over it. <laughs> I remember when we first got married. Um, we lived in a little flat above the retrovision store, John Ball's retrovision store on Heathmont Canterbury Road, is it? And um, you know, there's people going everywhere. People try to break into the old terrain. It's still got the marks on it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I thought, yeah, if they come up, I'm going to beat them up. I'm going to throw them down the stairs. A lot of stairs up to it. If you've been on that one, <laughs> rickety stairs, you know, to protect your wife. And um, <laughs> that was just something I I thought about. <laughs> you know, you don't. You, you, I, I was from a farm. You see, there's only animals around there. But down in town, it's a different sort of animals. Sorry, <laughs> different sort of people that are, you know behave like that, and they are dangerous at times. And so you're thinking this way. And the, and the Lord Jesus, He is looking down at His church, He His bride that He's purchased with His own blood, and He is very jealous for her, with a godly jealousy, just as Paul was for the Corinthians, wasn't it? I'm I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. And he's not going to, you know, the, the world might do things to the church, but they're not going to get away with it. Um, the Lord protects. He's given his spirit to guide us. He's given his word at a great cost. And his own begotten son. He anticipates the church's com completion with delight that she might be ready to be married to <laughs> that final day. He hastens the day when he, he will... We will reign with him, or he will reign and we'll reign with him. Nothing is too good for his beloved. And I don't think we, this side of eternity, we will realise how much that he loves the church. And this love is to be in a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. And Paul brings this in, definitely guided by the Spirit of God, to bring it forth to us. Um, God's love. A man should view his wife in the same way. He should not use his wife's faults and weaknesses as reasons for neglecting her or for failing to give her the love and attention he vowed to, to give her. Does the Lord see imperfections in the church? Does he see how, how wrong we are at times? Yes, he does. But does he still love us? Yes. Does he still meet our needs? Yes. He still provide for us? Yes. And uh, he, he calls us to himself, back to himself. And, uh, you know, the prodigal son. <laughs> the, he's covered, he covers, love covers a multitude of sin. His love covers that. This is the kind of love that's explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In verse 4, it suffers long. Husband, suffer long, waits for God's way and God's timing. It's long-fused. 
has the ability to wait and not lose patience. It's kind. It wants to be active and useful in the life of your wife and others. This love of God that he has for us and that we ought to have for our wives envieth not. It doesn't seethe, it doesn't boil, it doesn't stew. It vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up with proud. It's not a windbag, it doesn't praise itself. And fifth, um, in verse 5, does not behave itself unseemly. You know, <clears throat> how our wife and our children view God is often as a result of how we as fathers, grandfathers, act and they view us in that light. Seeketh not her own, and on you could go in verse 5 and following... And these are the, this is the essence of love as God has given it. Agape love. Sacrificial love. Are we willing to pay that price for a, the longevity of our marriage? For our children's sake. For our wife's sake and for the Lord's sake. I pray that we are. I know we, <clears throat> we live in a very selfish generation. And I'm, I'm amazed that 50% of Marriages in Australia hold together the way that things are and, and, and what, is, what our children have been indoctrinate, indoctrinated with at the schools. Not all of them go to those schools in Christian circles now, but in, in, the, in the state system where they indoctrinated with you are important, you are number one, look out for yourself and nobody else. And that transfers into marriage in the 20s and 30s. What's the country going to be like? But I'm amazed it's still hanging together as it is. There are those that are committed. And um, pray, pray that families in our churches might be able to work things out for the glory of the Lord. Work it out through loving one another, working out to be selfless in the relationship with one another and not selfish and to love and to cherish. Any thoughts before we... Have some more, um, some prayer items. I'm just thinking that in that where it says that the man's love himself, if a man didn't have that kind of love for himself, he would he could neglect himself to the point that he gets sick and he can't look after his wife. So it has to be a, a man has to care for himself. And yeah, that, <laughs> you brought to mind. I watched Willie Mullins' testimony. Pastor Derek put me onto it. So I can watch it on. Was it YouTube? It was come up. And so I'd never seen him until last night. I'd listened to him for hours and hours and hours as a teenager, a William preacher in, in Ireland, and um, heard his testimony and saw him for the... I've heard his testimony by tape before, but not in person, and how he neglected himself, how he just, as a 16-year-old, went out on his own. Amazing testimony, how he got saved and in, the, in, the, in the field. <laughs> He's planning a robbery. Just another robbery that he he got involved with, and and the Lord had taken him to a Mr. Tucker. Did you ever know Mr. Tucker? No, he was a bit earlier than. And uh, the the preacher preached in a church for what three weeks, and no one got saved, but Willie got saved, <laughs> and uh, thousands got saved as a result of that. A good testimony, but he neglected himself. Yeah, and he couldn't care, couldn't care less about anybody else either. When he got saved, that all changed. Hmm. Look after 
Number one, eh? <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> That'll just happen.